For those of you watching online, you know, welcome to Valley Real Life Church. And, you know, we have been walking through this RAM relationship series. And today, I want to take you on a journey. You know, whether you are sitting in this room, whether you are watching online, I want to take you to a place called Dianjong, China. Now, I'm guessing there isn't a single person online or in this room that knows where Dianjong, China is. And um, that's part of the journey. We're taking an adventure here. But, you know, when, when I think about Chinese orphanages, Dianjong, China in 2004 is where we started our relationship with our daughter, Abby, our youngest daughter. And, you know, orphanages in China are, are, are very different from each other. You know, the first one we ever went to in Qingxin, China, where our daughter Lily was from, was actually pretty good. There's about 40 kids. The ratio of nannies to kids was great. The kids were well cared for. 2012, I took the Spokane Lilac Princesses up to our sister city, Jilin City, China, and we saw a different orphanage. We saw state-of-the-art. I mean, just had incredible facilities, incredible equipment. But as we were leaving, you know, there's probably three or 400 kids in this orphanage, I asked the girls, I said, what did you hear? You know, and they're just like, what do you mean, what did I hear? And they're like, well, I don't know. And I said, now think about it. There's 300 babies in this orphanage. How much crying did you hear? And all of a sudden it dawned on them, it's like, none. None. And the reason why, these kids knew their cries were going unanswered when they were cold, hungry, wet, tired. And, and it really struck me as just, you know, the plight that, that kids have. But I think of Dianjong, China, which if you put your finger right in the center of China, you're pretty close, okay? And in 2004, let me show you a picture of Dianjong, China at the orphanage there. And, you know, this is the room that Abby was in. 16 cribs, around the perimeter of this room, one, two, or three babies in a crib, one nanny. Now think about it. There's 25 or 30 babies in this room. And here's this little girl that's becoming my daughter. And I just think, you know, she had scabies all over. The back of her head was flat. She had no hair on the back of her head. And I just think, you know, I, I think about this attachment model that we've been talking about and just how it starts on day one. It really does. You know, as she doesn't know her caretaker and they don't know her. And, you know, how is she going to trust in that person? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, my wife Carrie and I, we adopt her and we're, we're starting here at square one. We're just trying to get to know our little girl. You know, and here's a picture of her in the orphanage. You know, she's 10 months old, and you wouldn't know it from this picture, but she couldn't sit up. You know, they propped her for this picture. We snapped it, and then, you know, over she, she goes. And, you know, and it was just heartbreaking. I think this is this little girl that we just love that God has called us to adopt. And, you know, as, as we talk today about relationship, you know, I, I want to frame it that way that, 
You know, as we walk through this chart, it really starts on day one, that myself as a 55-year-old, you know, I, I'm still learning to trust and rely and commit to people and what that looks like. And, and so today, this is, this is what we're going to look at. You know, there's going to be a little bit of teaching. There's going to be a little bit of preaching. There's actually going to be some grammar today. And you're like, yes, I love grammar. <laughs> and you think I'm joking. Just wait, okay? Just fast forward this about 10 minutes and we'll get into the grammar section. But, you know, today I want to look at two things. When we talk about relationships, there's this vertical relationship that we have with God. And there's this horizontal relationship that we have with others. And we're going to talk about both of those today. Because if your vertical is out of whack, how do you expect the horizontals to be healthy? So, you know, when we talk about the vertical, you know, today, I, I want to I take you to God's word. We always want to look at what God's word says. And I want to tell you a story of two trees. We're going to be in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet. And, you know, a prophet, basically, it's a person that is speaking the words of God. And Jeremiah was, was known as the weeping prophet. He's just grieving, you know, over the brokenness that people have. And so we're going to hang out in Jeremiah chapter 17 in this tale of two trees. Now think about your life. Does this tree represent you? If you look at this first tree, you know, in Jeremiah 17, verse 5, it says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Isn't that how life feels sometimes? When you feel like, you know, I'm just totally disconnected from God. This vertical relationship is broken. I feel like a shrub in the desert. I just feel lifeless. But Jeremiah continues on, and he talks about this second tree. And the tree looks like this. And he says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That's the tree I want. I want my roots to go deep. I, I want to find that refreshing water that just, it soothes my soul. So which tree are you today? Because Jeremiah continues on. And sometimes we look at this tree. This tree that has two parts. Which side is you today? Because Jeremiah continues on in verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I will give all people their due reward according to what their actions deserve. 
So which tree are you? And you know, not the one that you play during the daytime, but the one you really are. You know, so often, you know, isn't that, when we think about this vertical, I know about God. And I trust him, like Dan talked about last week, is I have confidence in who he is. But are you just a fan or are you a follower? Which are you? Because there's a big difference between trust and rely. Trust is what I know about God. Rely is my response to it. Because so often, you know, in a room this size, hundreds of people, you know, millions watching online, um, a lot of people know about God. A lot of people may trust God, but how many of them are relying on God, have put steps in action to their faith? You know, as a former English teacher, I told you we're gonna talk about grammar. You know, I think about prepositions. You know, somebody's like, oh my gosh, he's serious. He's talking. I know you guys in the front row are just like, man, I was hoping we'd get some grammar tonight. But, you know, when we talk about prepositions, prepositions show the relation of a noun or pronoun with an object. The ball is on the table, under the table, next to the table, between the table, aboard, about, above, beyond, beneath, beside, between. You know, all those prepositions that, you know, we all memorized back in fourth grade. But when I think about the prepositions that follow this, I know about God. I know God created the world. I know he wrote this book. I know he's who he says he is. I know about, that's the preposition. Trust, I trust in God. I trust in him. He is who he says he is. I know he loves me. I know he cares for me. I know he will never leave me or forsake me or abandon me. I know that about him. But then it's rely, I rely on God. It's an outward expression. It's how am I gonna live my life and follow him? That's the vertical that we're talking about. This has to be healthy. This has to be healthy. You know, let me, let me give you a little physical illustration. Hey, Maddie, I know you're watching the baseball game, but could you grab this first chair and bring it up? Thanks. I said baseball. His, her dad's a big baseball fan. I mean, who wants to watch the Seahawks and Rams, you know? Thank you. Here, you can have second communion. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, I, I think about this chair, you know, a, as an image symbolic of where I am in my faith. I, I know this chair. I know this chair. This chair is made by the Liberty Pew Stacker Chairs. Look underneath your chair. That's what the tag says. I looked it up. You know, this chair has four legs. It's, it's kind of comfortable. Apparently, it's only comfortable for 61 minutes because people start squirming and, you know, and things like that. You know, it's pretty solid. You know, it's bolted together. I know about this chair. And I trust this chair. You know, I see 400 of you sitting in this chair and it's holding you. I've sat in this chair for six years. It held me. I trust it. 
But now here's the part, faith-wise. If this is your faith, you may know this chair, you may trust this chair, but you gotta rely on this chair. Relying on this chair. I can't just stand back here and go, man, that's an awesome chair, you know, and things like that. Relying on this means I have to come here and sit in it. I'm now relying on this chair. And that's, that's the question. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to your faith, whether you're watching online or you're sitting in this room, have you ever sat in the chair? Or have you just stood back and you've looked at the chair, you've looked at God, you've admired him from afar. It's like, yeah, God is this. You know, I believe. That's great. Even the demons believe and they tremble. God says this in Matthew 4, 19. He says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Following him means to do what he says to do. He says, follow me. He says, sit in the chair. And I, and I know in a room this size, you're not all followers of Christ. I know all of you watching online, you're not all followers of Christ. You may have stumbled across this video or whatever, but I believe this message is for you. But you know, here's the part. You wanna get your vertical relationship with God straight. The first step is to sit in the chair. And we're gonna take a minute today and pray that. Because I, I think we have a couple different people in this, in this room. We have people that have never sat in the chair and said, God, my life is yours. It's yours. I surrender. We also have people, they've been sitting in the chair and they've gotten out. And they're just like, you know, I'm gonna put my trust in myself, my health, my bank account, my school, my grades, my talent, you know, and things like that. They're saying, you know, I need to get back in the chair. And we're gonna take a minute right now and pray for you, to give you a chance to respond to that. Because God wants to plant your, deeps, your roots deep and give you living water. Let's pray. God, right now, in this room, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would just prompt hearts God, there's people that have never put their faith in you. And God, right now, I just encourage each one of you to just pray, to bow your heads and pray. But if that's you, you're saying today, I wanna become a follower of Christ. Right where you're at, I'm gonna ask that you just put up your hand saying, I wanna follow you. I want to follow you. Those of you watching online, put it in the text box. I see that hand. And Father, right now, we're just going to pray for that person, saying, I want to put my faith in you. And I'm just going to encourage you to pray a prayer like this. God, I need you. I want to follow you. I confess I'm a sinner and have tried to do it my own way. And today I choose you. And I also know in a room, Lord, there's, 
many people that have said, I've, I've gotten out of that chair. I'm relying on other things other than you. And as we continue to pray, if that's you, I'm just gonna ask you to put your hand up and just say, I wanna get back in the chair. I started living it my own way. I see those hands. And I wanna start living it God's way. Amen. And pray a prayer like this. God, draw me back to yourself. Let me follow you and rely on you once again. God, my life is yours and I surrender it to you. And we just give God praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, you know, people, it really is about the spiritual. It's about this vertical relationship. It's got to be strong. You know, it's what, when, when my daughters would bring a young man over and, you know, I would always ask, ask them, do you love Jesus more than you love my daughter? Because it's that important. You know, and when, when we think about, you know, relationship, we think about rely. Rely means to put it into action, depend on that person. Trust, you know, if I'm friends with Brian, I trust Brian because I know this about him. He's consistent. He loves Jesus. He loves his family. He has a servant's heart. And I've seen it every year I've known him. I can trust him. But to rely on him, now I need to respond to that. I need to react to that and to begin to live that out but I want you to see what that looks like at different levels, you know, in marriage, in dating, just in friendships. So I want you to take a look at this video. This is two of our high school seniors. This is George Sanko and Luke Abshire. Take a look. So I'm the quarterback, so I have to trust George. Uh, George is the guy that's in the, in the trenches blocking, making sure that I stay safe and I don't, get, I don't get hit and tackled. I'm a lineman, so my role is that we can't let anyone on that line come in the backfield towards Luke, because if they come start uh, peeling off into the backfield, he can't make successful plays. So I've been playing football for pretty much my whole life since I was like six. So I was just playing up through middle school, and I remember I was sitting at a choir concert, I think, sitting there with my grandpa, and my grandpa looks over me and goes, who's that kid over there? I was like, oh, that's George Sanko. He goes, you need to get that kid to play football. I was like, I was like, really, you think so? And he goes, yeah. So the next day I went and talked to him, and I was like, George, what do you think about coming to play some football? I had no intention of signing up for football. I was gonna sign up for cross country. That next day, after kind of talking through with my parents, signed the papers, came out the next day to come for the first practice. It was kind of a learning experience the next couple of years, knowing that this would end up being my passion, that this would end up being something that I would pursue to into a career. It's funny to just look back at the time and just be like, man, you, you really grew from from never playing football and then now you're an all-league lineman. Pretty much from that middle school where I didn't really know much about football, it's where I could rely on Luke, that he had a little more knowledge than I have and that as the years kind of go on, as we start to know each other more, we start to trust him a little more, I kind of get a little more knowledge of the sport. Last year was kind of the tipping point, you know, because we had always played together, but it was always like at a 
sub-varsity level, so like JV, our sophomore year, freshman, and once we got to varsity, it's like, man, these kids are big, man. Like, they can hit hard, and they can injure me if, I'd, if I'm not protected right. Last game of the season, we're playing Gonzaga Prep, and there's this kid, his name's Kaz Melsner. He has eight Division I offers. He's like 6'4", 250, you know. He's a great player, and so I went into that game. I was like, man, this kid's gonna be good. It's gonna be a tough game. And, I was like, George, you, you gotta block him. And I went the whole game and I didn't even get sacked once. Uh, I kinda gotta rely on Luke in the sense is that I gotta trust that I'm not just blocking for no reason, that we're kinda blocking up there so Luke can make the right read, can make the correct read and the correct throw so that we can get a touchdown on the first or the second play. We all call it a brotherhood, you know, it's like, it's just a different kind of connection that we have in, in football and just in life. As our time went on and, and into high school, like I started to know him better and then I started to really having to trust him and I really had to rely on him so that our team could succeed and I could succeed. Isn't that an awesome story? <laughs> I have to admit, it brings nightmares back looking at the CVU high game because I was a quarterback at CV in 83. I threw four interceptions and fumbled and they ran it in for a touchdown. And we lost. And we were league champs that year, and they just totally drilled us that day. Oh my gosh, it's still nightmares. But you know, I, I love this story of these two young men because I, I know these men, I know their families. It's about the vertical, it's about their relationship with Christ. And as a result, they're working on developing the horizontal. You know, you think about the metaphor of that football, of what it looks like for the quarterback to rely on that offense alignment. He has to know George is gonna do his job and he has to trust it. You know, especially if George is on his blind side and he's standing here and that 6'4", 250 pound guy's coming, he has to trust that George did his job. Isn't that how it feels sometimes in life? You know, I think about my marriage of, not, not that she's 6'4", okay, but <laughs> this idea of I have to know my wife, and I have to know her well so that I can trust her. And as these things move up on the chart, I can rely on her more and more. That's the beauty of the marriage. But the part I realize, whether it's marriage or dating or friendships, there's this part of sacrifice that I have to make because, you know, when it really comes down to it, I need to look in the mirror and say, am I reliable? Should someone rely on me? Do I do what I say? Am I following Jesus? Do I have their best interests at heart or do, and when it comes down to it, I have my own? That's where we need to live. And you know, in these friendships, you know, so what happens so often is we try to move these so quickly up the ladder that we don't even know these people and begin to trust them. But it's like, well, I just wanna rely on somebody. I need somebody in my life and so what happens is you just become needy and you're craving something, you know, and you're allowing other things to fill what God wants to fill in your life. That's where it has to be. And then, you know, even in that dating relationship, so often we're so eager, you know, to move our way down to the right. But like John Van Epp, who wrote this curriculum, you know, if you've been in a group studying it, he says, stay in the safe zone. Stay in the safe zone which means don't let an area get higher than anything to the left. You know, don't commit, and all, but you, know, you don't even know the person. Stay in that safe zone. You know, and, and so that's my encouragement you know, for you 
You know, as, as we think about this relationship series, get the vertical healthy. Get the vertical where it needs to be. As you get rooted in Christ, as you read his word, as you worship, as you create intimacy with Christ, when I think about touch, it's like, well, what do you mean touch God, touch Jesus? I, I use the word intimacy here. I want those times where I'm just, I'm on my face before the Lord, just saying, God, I need you so much. It has to be the vertical first, but then that horizontal, are you investing in it? You know, I think of what Micah 6, 8 says. It says, what does the Lord require of you? And think about it in a relationship. What does the Lord require of you? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. You know, he's talking about faith, the vertical, but it also applies to the horizontal. You know, I have to realize, you know, when Carrie and I got married, I used to think, oh yeah, marriage has to be 50-50. I think, well, isn't that right? Shouldn't it be? I'll meet her right at midfield. Yeah, no, marriage is a hundred and zero. I want to love her and sacrifice my life for her, expecting nothing in return. And sometimes that's where you know things in relationships get totally wonky. It's like, well, I'm only gonna do this because of this. And you know, it's that word I love you. So often we put extra words at the end. I love you because. I love you when. I love you if. But Jesus says, no, love this way. I love you, period. I love you. I love you. I want to be in relationship. Work on the vertical and the horizontal will follow. So I want to leave you with two questions today. Two questions to just really chew on. First, where is it in your life that you're realizing I'm not relying on God. I'm relying on myself. And during this this COVID, I'd say season, it's not even a season anymore. It's, you know, whatever that is. Um, What it does, hasn't it exposed some things in your own life? That you're just like, wow, I didn't realize I was so concerned about this or I put my trust in this. When those things get stripped away, jobs and schools and, you know, friendships and, you know, distancing and things like that. Where is it in your life that you're finding you're just not relying on God? And then the second question is this, how can you become more reliable? You know, sometimes the best way to answer that question is go ask somebody you trust. Give them liberty to speak into your life. Hey, what do you see in me that I need to work on. People don't like landing there because it makes you vulnerable, doesn't it? But isn't that what we want to do? We, don't we want to be different a week from now than we are today? Yeah. So think about those two things. Where have you started putting your reliance on other things? And then the second one is how can you become more reliable? And so we're going to close in prayer But I just want to encourage you, you know, at the end of our time or even for you online, you know, there's there's prayer available. You can pray with your online host. If you're in this room, you know, over here at the cross, we're going to have people to pray with you. You know, if you put your faith in, in Jesus today, you know, ask somebody. Maybe you don't want to come up here, but here's my challenge is you need to tell somebody. If you if you were one that's just saying, hey, I'm out of the chair. 
I know I'm out of the chair. Whether you raise your hand or not, you know if you are or not. Tell somebody. Tell someone at Connecting Point. Find somebody with a lanyard. You know, tell the person in the row behind you or who brought you and just say, you know, help me walk this journey. That's what it's about. It's about relationship. It's about doing this together. So let's pray. God, I just pray right now for these people, for myself, God, that we're, we're on this path. We want to be more like you. We want a healthy, vertical relationship with you so that our horizontal relationships with others will thrive. And God, I, I, do, I pray for that, Lord. If there's areas that our reliance isn't on you, God, I pray that you would expose those and show them to us. God, if there's areas you want to grow us, to teach us to walk humbly, to teach us to be sacrificial, to teach us to surrender more, God, I pray that you would reveal that to us. Because God, we know you love us. We know you care for us. God, you desire to see us become more like you. Let it begin today at this moment. We just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.